there. This is generally around the time a fresh episode of Funny Books with me and that other guy usually drops. Due to the holiday weekend and the fact that not much worth reading hit the shelves this past Wednesday, your Funny Book friends took the week off. As you know, I don't want to curse your darkness, though. I want to light a candle. So just so you have something to listen to, here's a brief bit of audio. As I record this, it is September 1st, and all across Texas, hunters have taken to the sunflower fields for the first day of dove season. It's a big deal here in the Lone Star State. Has been all my life. Some of my most cherished memories feature a hunt as the setting. For instance, I smile every time I think of the time my brother and I hunted with my dad's buddies a few short months after his funeral. My dad's best friends hanging around the lodge, drinking beer, smoking cigars, and telling stories on him. Those old friends ragging on my dad like he was right there with us. In fact, I I am certain that he was there with us. That's how powerful that, that weekend was. Never would have had that without that occasion in the wilds of West Texas hunting birds. I wrote the following more than 30 years ago. It's true story. The facts are as I remembered them. Here we go, guys. This is Bird Hunt by Aaron Head. As a child, I viewed my first hunting trip as my passage into manhood. Traditionally, one had to be at least 12 years old to hunt with my father's hunting party. Dove season was coming up and I was only eleven. I badgered and pestered my father for weeks. I called him at the office, mentioned it at dinner, and reminded him of it by leaving him little notes by the coffee pot. Finally, he gave in on the condition that I was not going to carry a gun, but perform a vital and important task for him. That was fine by me. I was eleven years old, and I was going hunting. On that first weekend in September, We were off to shoot some birds. I was on my very best behavior as I was the first 11-year-old to go with the party. I didn't want to mess it up for myself or anybody else that might follow. I was setting precedent. We met my father's boss, Mr. White, early that Saturday morning. Jake Whitworth, our next-door neighbor, was there, as well as Dad's friend, Bill Davis. I wasn't then, nor am I now, really sure how Dad knew Bill, and I only wonder about it because Bill was just so darn odd. Bill was slightly older than Dad, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40. The thing that stands out most in my mind about Bill is that he always smoked the same red pipe. Anywhere you saw him, Bill was smoking that pipe. Fall, winter, spring, summer. If you saw Bill, he was smoking that pipe. It was one of those pipes that you got for free if you bought two packs of Sir Walter Raleigh pipe tobacco. I believe back in those days... They were about a buck twenty-five apiece. I've always loved the smell of a pipe, but Bill's smelled not of sweet tobacco, but of burnt hair. It had to do with the fact that he never seemed to refill the pipe after he had smoked all the tobacco out of it. He just went right on smoking the oil and the carbon that was left over. I guess I should have been amazed that he never smoked the bottom right out of it. He had lost that pipe the year before. And this year, he found the pipe, knocked the dirt and the bugs off of it, put a pinch of tobacco in it, and sparked it right up. Everybody was disgusted, myself included. 
My father called Mr. White by his first name, Earl. I was never comfortable with that, even though Mr. White wanted me to call him Earl. I didn't have a problem calling Jake or Bill by their first names. I guess I couldn't call Mr. White by his first name, because he was just so rich. Wealth, at that age at least, breeds tremendous respect. He owned the architectural firm where my father worked. He owned the RV we were riding in, and he had in his possession that which we were all in awe of, an automatic shotgun. I wasn't quite sure what that meant at the time, but all of the other hunters secretly hated him for it. So off we went to the wilderness of West Texas. I was eager to prove myself a man to the others. I needed to prove to them that I could do whatever was required of me. I was one of them, whether they knew it or not. Besides, if my brother could do it, I could do it. My brother sat across from me in the camper playing cards with Jake and Bill. His leg bore a cast all the way up to his hip. My mother didn't want him to go on this trip for fear that he would have injured himself more than the earlier week's football practice had. Ty, my brother, was not about to miss the season's first hunt. Dad agreed with him. So Ty was there, crutch, cast, and gun. We arrived in the West Texas town of Breckenridge by noon. We pulled onto Mr. Johnson's property where we would be hunting. As everyone unloaded their gear, Dad tossed a green hunting vest to me. I put it on and discovered that it had these giant pockets in it. Dad stuffed a box of shells in each of the breast pockets. The other larger pockets he left empty. He handed me a cooler which contained three Cokes and two six-packs. Jake and Bill took off one way, Mr. White another, and Dad, Ty, and I ambled down the trail. Ty split off from us soon after while Dad and I nestled ourselves in amidst the live oak and cottonwood trees. We gazed out over a field of sunflowers and knee-high weeds. I sat by silently, anxious but not wishing to disturb Dad's concentration as he loaded his shotgun. He shoved a pair of binoculars into my hands and pointed across the field. I gazed through the binoculars and observed Ty on the other side of the field. He had himself propped up on one crutch. The other leaned against a tree. He was loading the 20 gauge with a look of grim determination. I couldn't imagine how he planned to fire the thing with only one arm, as the other one he had to use to prop himself up on the crutch. Dad pointed to the top of the trees above Ty. I peered up, and there flew a dozen doves. Dad began shooting away, as did Ty. I jumped, shocked by the noise. Of the four shots that Dad fired, three birds dropped out of the sky. Dad reloaded, but the other birds had already flown by and vanished. Go get them, son, he instructed. This was my important task. With the absence of a bird dog, I was the next best thing. A bird boy. I wandered into the field. I found two birds right off and stuffed them into the vest pockets. After much searching, I came upon the third. The gray fellow was still alive. His dark eyes blinked at me, a silent plea for aid. My heart went out to the little guy. His wing was, was badly damaged, but other than that, he seemed okay. As I studied him, alone in the field, shots fired above me. Ty was blasting away at another group of birds. One of them fell from the sky. Shot pelted me from above, the remnants of Ty's assault on the birds. I ducked and ran back to Dad. 
For a brief moment, I felt like Captain Kirk rescuing a colonist from an evil Gorn onslaught. I rushed up to Dad and, and showed him my new friend. He's wounded, I said. Can we help him? Son, we're here to hunt, not take prisoners, he answered with a puzzled look. You gotta pop its head off. What? My voice cracking. You gotta pop his head off. Just take your thumb and forefinger and jerk real quick. I looked down at the bird in my hand. I got a grip on his neck and gazed into his eyes. I pulled slowly. His heart pounded in my hands as if it would leap from his breast. His eyes were screaming at me. I sobbed inside when I felt his neck pop and his head came off. I stuffed him quickly into the vest pocket and took my place behind Dad. I was sick to my stomach. I began to wonder, am I a murderer? After a while, I came out of it. I'd been daydreaming for quite some time, as Dad had found time to work his way through two six-packs of beer and several boxes of shells. I reeked of gunpowder. I lifted the binoculars and was amazed at what I saw. Ty was firing his 20-gauge with only one arm. He swung around, fired twice, reloaded, fired again, all with the use of one arm. My older brother was definitely much better at dealing out death to these little creatures than I was. I wasn't quite sure whether I should admire that about him or despise that about him. After the afternoon wore on, everyone had shot their limit. Bill and Mr. White had actually shot over their limit. Bill stuffed a few of his illegal doves into his boots, and Mr. White hid some in empty shell boxes. The idea was not to be found out by the game warden, as he had within his power to take away your gun, your doves, and give you a fairly steep fine. We were all a little nervous about it, or at least I was. We lucked out and didn't get caught. As we drove away, I stared back at that field in Breckenridge and wished that I had let this hunt pass me by. I don't think I did any real growing up that day. My brief stint as a glorified bird dog taught me no important lessons. I didn't feel any more the man, just a whole lot sadder. My soul ached, and I knew that I would have to tell Dad Hunting's just not for me. I never did that, though. Because that following November, we were after the big game. We were hunting Bambi. Thank you.